It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Anthony Weiner was listening to that Trump hour, that first hour, two to three. You were taking on all comers, and it bled over into your second hour, although you were talking about a potpourri of different subjects. This is working out wonderfully because you were the last man standing for Joe Biden here at WABC. In fact, the only man. We have people here who claim, oh, you know, we're common sense Democrats. I don't think they've supported a Democrat in decades. You're the only legitimate one here at WABC. Is that that true? I guess that is right. That is right. I guess that's right. There are many who claim we're common sense Democrats, but I got to tell you, Judge Weinberg and my husband-in-law, David Patterson, when's the last time that they showed any support for a Democrat? Yeah. But you, you are staunchly defending the Biden administration. Well, I've got it because they're under... They're under attack by you and your crew. Looks like you're winning. Are you winning this migrant fight? I kind of think you are. Yes. Yeah, we'll get into that momentarily. But, but. yeah, but the thing, the thing, look, I I, I mean, you you and I had conversations offline. We had it last week on the air. These lawyers who come on and they just, we now have, look, this is, I'm sitting here with the indictment. I sat and I read the whole indictment. What we really need is lawyers to come on and say, hey, this is a pretty Pretty damning case. And if people want to say, okay, Donald Trump didn't know what he was doing or Donald Trump, you know, you know, you and I have been involved in a lot of elections, right? There is There are election lawyers who specialize that there's so many election laws, but we have trials and we try to work out who's who won based on those trials. And, and there are a lot of things that Democrats are unhappy with. There are a lot of changes that happened in 2020. But once you have the lawsuits, you can't then say, oh, they're they're coming after you know I I want to change the results some other way and then say okay that's all right I mean you can't be a lawyer and then say it's okay once a judge has decided something you still want to overturn their decision look you lose you lose you come back another day Donald Trump lost there's no doubt about it in my mind and look uh, I had uh, Rudy Giuliani who was uh, supporting me in the mayoral election although we disagreed on this subject I'm not a Trumper uh, he supported me on the issues of New York City. And let me tell you, as much as we disagree on this, the guy who called me when I was in lockup in Queens after participating in civil disobedience out of Creedmoor was my kumbadi chief, Rudy Giuliani. Curtis, it's Rudy. Did you get yourself arrested? If you need any help, here I am, okay? I may need your help next week. So, okay. <laughs> you are a character. You see that? Hey, this is a quid pro quo. He wanted to help me spring me from jail. And then expecting me to help spring him from jail next week because he's expected to be down in Fulton County, fingerprinted, photographed, uh, indicted, and then given a court date. But, but Curtis, I think um, um, I, I should have left a voice message. I thought the best possible outcome could be, I mean, I texted you at 1.51 p.m., hey, do you need me to bail you out? 
I'm a better lawyer than Dershowitz, I texted you. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, Dershowitz would have nothing to do with me. He's a one uh, jockey on a pony. It's the same thing. If I have to hear another Dershowitz uh, interview, I will take a big pen and stick it into my eyeball. But you, but let me ask you, do, do you have a lawyer? What do I need a lawyer for? I represent myself pro se. I know, but now you're going to be going, unless I'm wrong, you're going to be prosecuted in Queens County. That is correct. Queens County, I have to be in court September 5th, the day after Labor Day, uh, and I have to stand before the judge. I've been hit with two charges, as the other 12 were who got arrested with me. One was for disorderly conduct, which clearly I was because I'm a disruptor, and the other was for blocking traffic in front of Creedmoor, which we did knowingly and willingly, uh, and then got taken to the Hoofscout, 105th Precinct, which um, I don't want to indicate which cops – but when they brought me in with the handcuffs, they were high-fiving me, calling me Mr. May, and taking selfie pictures with me. <laughs> that was not a precinct that was all that favorable towards the mayor. Now, you have to be careful what you say here on the air because you don't you want to reserve the right to plead not guilty. And I would fight this. I mean, because I, I would make the argument if I were you. Maybe I'll audition for, for you right now. I would say that traffic, laws, and orderly laws there are times traffic should stop there are times we should be out of order and that is when the the city of new york is has lost control that there is there's been disorder in our whole city ever since this migrant crisis began and that all you were doing is reflecting the state of play in new york disorderly Heck yeah, I was disorderly because this city is out of order. Your Honor, you're out of order. The the District Attorney of Queens is out of order, and I, Curtis Lewa, am not going to stand for it. Good, good. I'm ready to go to Rikers, <laughs> but you can kill somebody nowadays in New York City and not get remanded to jail with no bail. No, no, I will appear. I will represent myself pro se. This was my 78th arrest and the proudest of all the arrests I've had before. And generally, I represent myself pro se. Now, in the last arrest, uh, you remember, I was the chairman of the New York State Reform Party. And I was ordered by a judge to serve Bill de Blasio, at that time the mayor, with papers. And I did, right at Gracie Mansion, assuming he would be up late. He was. Uh, and uh, I said to his uh, aide-de-camp, his Swiss guard there, you know, I, I need to serve uh, the mayor with papers. Uh, this is under court orders. That happens all the time. You know he doesn't get up at the crack of dawn. So you just got to wait. Eh, we waited. Nancy was there. And then all of a sudden, either he or Charlene, they both got in the SUV together, ordered me to be arrested. Remember, I stood in front of the SUV like the uh, Chinese dissident in Tiananmen <laughs> Square in front of the T2 tank. They arrested me. They hit me with multiple charges. We went to court. And Sal Albanese, who was running for mayor at the time right. on the Reform Party line, represented me. They ended up tossing it out of court. But that's when I was sitting there. Every second case was a marijuana case. Every yeah. second case was a man or a woman who was gainfully employed, who was caught in possession of marijuana at that time, was not legalized here in the state. It was only medical marijuana that was legalized. And I got to tell you, half the cases were for people's possession or illegal use of small amounts of marijuana. And clearly you saw how the criminal justice system was getting all clogged up with those cases needlessly. Well, this is what, if you recall, the stop and frisk case was about the police arguing that they would stop people and say, do you have anything in your pocket? Correct. 
and then they would find small amounts of marijuana. And sometimes, rarely though, sometimes they would find people that had warrants out or something else. But what they wound up, they had a couple of choices. Once they had discovered it, they had to write them up. Yeah. And so that was one of the things that came out in the trial when they overturned stop and frisk, that really this was a subterfuge. And that was one of the arguments that was used when they when they decriminalized and ultimately legalized well, marijuana. Look, uh, it definitely could have an impact on your career because you know how employers got. They started yeah. checking your Facebook, your social networking. You wanted to get into college. They would check that, the admissions office. They check you for backgrounds of arrests, and even though it was a misdemeanor arrest, unless you came with a bale of marijuana in your pocket, yeah, yeah. it oftentimes disrupted somebody on their ascent, you know, through their juvenile years to their young adult years, and then sometimes they couldn't get a job or they couldn't get placed into a, a school because of that. So I got a chance to see that firsthand. I, I could not have imagined there were that many cases. This was Manhattan Criminal Court. And uh, Sal Albanese put on a stellar defense. Oh, the city was aggressive. They wanted me locked up. Yeah. Really? Absolutely. You know de Blasio hated me. I know, but you would think that it looked so small of him to do that. They would have gone in the other direction. Well, Let's make this, this thing is, go away. this is what happened. The judge said, now, Mr. Sleeve, I see according to the document from the judge in state court, you had to serve Scott Stringer, the city controller at the time. Uh, did you do service? I said, I didn't. Uh, but somebody with me did, no problems. Oh, okay. It's see, I see here, according to the court order, you had to serve Tish James uh, at that time. The this was an advocate. election law case? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, the public advocate at that time, uh, did she accept service? I said, yes, not from me, from but somebody representing me. No problems. They said, yes, we're coming out, we'll get it. Uh, de Blasio was the only one to give me a hard time. And so he looked at Corporation Counsel. Corporation Counsel was there especially right. to help the which ADA. Is, which is the lawyer the lawyer for the city of New York. Right, right. And the, and the judge said to him, why did you not just accept service from Mr. Sliwa? He wasn't trespassing. He wasn't going to go over the gate. He was yeah. just doing what dozens of other people have done. Normally, Corporation right. Counsel would say, you could either bring it to Corporation Counsel office, we'll sign for it, or... You could give it to the mayor. He's got to leave Gracie Mansion at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, yeah. sometime in the morning. He's got to leave. That was a classic case. And a lot of people went, wow. And that was my proudest arrest. That was 77 but, WABC. at the end of the day, the judge said, oh, this is this Ridiculous. Is yeah. yeah, frivolous. Uh, although uh, de Blasio ordered his corporation counsel to make it a federal case. Now, that was sort of the beginning where you could stab somebody and not get remanded to jail. Now we're in the process with Alvin Bagg. You can kill somebody and not get remanded to jail. But in Queens County, it's a toss-up. You never know. So I eventually did get released. Tonight I'm going to go into it because there was one journalist, self-described journalist, went to Hunter College, came out of Jamaica, Queens. This woman is certifiably crazy. She's African-American. She calls herself Crackhead Barney. You would not believe the people she's had interviews with over the years. She always gets into the scrum. She's dressed like Chucky the doll, right? Yeah. And it's incredible. She gets right into your face. We have audio uh, on the other side of midnight. You're not going to want to miss. It's absolutely amazing. But put that all aside because tomorrow it's Occupy Midland Beach. Uh, I have joined with Scott Labato, who you know is the performance yeah. artist, And John Tobacco, and we have summoned everybody from Staten Island and the surrounding tri-state area. And at 2 o'clock tomorrow, we're going to be outside of the Senior Citizen Center that was converted to house the migrants 
they're already doing the rehab inside around the clock, 24-7. They want to get the migrants in there. Ironically, Jimmy Otto, <clears throat> I think you served with Jimmy Otto. I did. Uh, when he was in council, uh, he also became the uh, borough president of Staten Island, Republican conservative. He spent years protesting at that site with the community when it was a skid row uh, hotel, no-tell, motel. They wanted to put a strip club in the basement, and they persevered. And he actually had a celebration as borough president. We closed it. Now he's the one who's certifying the permits and the licenses because he's the commissioner of buildings Buildings, for Eric Adams. And so we're saying, Jimmy Otto, no, you can't do this. Why not be like the uh, uh, Consumers Affairs Commissioner who, remember, she ran the soccer uh, games in Randall's Island, and she composed a letter criticizing her own boss for utilizing those soccer fields on Randall's Island and remain commissioner of uh, consumer affairs. She didn't get this is it. Betsy Gottbaum? Who is no, it? No, Betsy Gottbaum used to years ago. Mark Green was, no, the, right. the present-day uh, commissioner of consumer oh, really? affairs. So she wrote a public letter right. and said, Mr. Mayor, do not put tents on the soccer fields in Randall's Island, which they're starting to do now because she assists in running all the uh, soccer events right. for the uh, the kids. Uh, and yet she's still now commissioner of consumer affairs. Uh-huh. So why not, Jimmy Otto, refuse to give the permits, the licenses, so the work can't be completed? Because at 2 o'clock tomorrow, I'm welcoming everybody to join us. This will be the second demonstration from last weekend. At 1111 Father Capadonna Boulevard, there's plenty of free parking across the street. That's there's right. the beach. And we are taking over that building. This is going to be like, remember, Occupy Wall Street, Occupy City Hall, Occupy Midland Beach. Be there. And now, what is your hedge on Frank Morano, the self-described Mr. Staten Island? Last week, he didn't attend the rally on Saturday because he said, I got to go to a baby shower with Rachel in New so Jersey. So he is as committed to Staten Island as anyone I've ever met, but he is also, he's soft. I mean, truth be told yeah. about Frank, he is that, you know, I don't think he would last five minutes in, in, in a lockup. Yeah, but we're not asking him to get arrested. We're not asking the demonstrators to get arrested. We've got the people who I've already trained for civil disobedience just to show up, to show solidarity. He, today he's playing softball in Staten Island. You know, with his ping-pong pal, Joe Borelli, who doesn't yeah. show up for these demonstrations. He's too busy being on vacation but attacking me. So what, are you, what is your prediction? The over-under point spread. Will, I, I will think, Mr. Staten Island show up? I, I think that the chances are low. I would put it at 25% that he shows up. Now, is that because Rachel, uh, his wife, will not let him show up? So here's what I think that Frank ultimately is conflict-averse, which is a strange, what what well, strange thing to say about someone who's on talk radio. But I think that um, to, to a great degree, he seeks to avoid conflict. You, and so do I, to be honest, yes, yes. you run towards conflict. Oh, you like it You I like rebel. it more than anything I... else. When people are hugging and kissing, you don't know what's wrong with them. You assume that there's something going That's on. That's Gandhi-like. Right. right. So I, I don't think that, but it, who, who knows, it might be that he's just holding out for some dramatic appearance. Like he's, you know, no, no, I think what's going to happen is tomorrow he'll be in his basement with his ping-pong buddy, Joe Borelli, the councilman from South Beach, who's always on vacation in August, playing ping-pong, and say, oh, uh, we got t- we got caught up in a, a death, uh, you know, death to the end match. For, first, by, by, the way, by the way, it's table tennis. 
Okay, it's not, that's not ping pong. What Frank plays is no, table no. tennis. Well, what Frank plays is old-fashioned <laughs> ping pong. Trust me. It would never get him to Red China. It would never even get him to North Korea. He's that bad a player. But now what is this? I did read a little something about a giant Eric Adams banner. Is that, is that a surprise you're going to have? Yes. Scott Lobato, who, as you know, has created uh, art uh, to lampoon everyone, has made a special piece because he knew that Eric Adams was going away this week in the middle of the emergency, first to Martha's Vineyard and then to Israel. He won't be back until Friday. And so he wanted to create an artistic piece for the mayor of the city of New York because you know how much Staten Island loves <laughs> Eric Adams. Not, not. And I got to tell you, the pressure is going to be on not only Jimmy Otto, who still lives there. People are looking at him like he's a traitor. But your former colleague, Diane Savino, who left the state senate to be an aide-de-camp. She's on the city hall payroll for Eric Adams. Yeah. And now, how does she justify Well, let this? me ask you this question. But they've, is there any borough that doesn't is, isn't taking some of these migrants? No, but there's no borough out of the 200, quote, shelters, hotels, uh, what they call emergency migrant resource centers, which means they don't have to be transparent at all. They don't have to. Yeah. They redact all the figures. This is the only senior citizen home that has been converted for the I know, years. but it's not like, but are there others uh, in Richmond County? Are there other facilities? Yes. Oh, there are. Yeah, okay. there's a school. Uh, and then remember, uh, Joe Borelli still keeps promoting the idea of having the Carnival Cruise Line come into Stapleton, Northport, North Shore, in which we'll have uh, Kathy uh, Gifford. You know, singing and dancing on the deck, welcoming the migrants on board. Right. These elected officials are nuts. So you know what we told them? Don't show up. We didn't have them in Creedmoor. It went great. We had civic groups. We had uh, co-op boards. We had condo people. Only now, con- are, the, are, the, are the Democratic politicians the weapons of the world? Are they looking to be involved in no. this? No, no. They were yeah. missing in action. The problem is with you, Curtis. It does, it, it, at first blush, does look like a mayoral... Warm up act for you, like no, there's no doubt. I'm in the bullpen, right? So you can't blame people who are ultimately going to support and like Eric Adams on other things for staying away from it. Well, uh, the majority of the people at Creedmoor were moderate Democrats. We well, that had, that neighborhood, if I had a guess, your that, people, that, your people, no, they, I know, they don't I'm vote saying, Republican. Well. They vote. They're, they're, they're Democrats. They're moderate know. Democrats. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're moderate Democrats, but they don't have a lot of places to go in today's in today's world. I know, but still, they're loyal to the Democratic Party. They're upset because of the socialists having so much control, but they still have given the opportunity of voting for Democrats. Well, or put Republican. it this way. Put it this way. I think it's a fertile electoral spot. Yeah. I think both of the places you've been in Queens and in Staten Island are places that you can pick up votes. Oh yeah, and by the way, there are other locations in the pipeline. Because this issue ain't going away. In fact, up next, we got to talk about how the mayor has decided at this time, I think it's so inopportune for him to go to Israel. It's the summer. Yeah. You take trips in the summer. But he said something before he left. You know how the Israeli reporters are on the left and the right. They're very good. And they're very dogged. Like typical uh, Israeli men, right in your <laughs> face. They're not like Jewish guys. You, ooh. No, no, they're right in your face. I got to sort of give you give a preview of what Eric Adams is going to face on what he is saying is also a religious pilgrimage for him. Good for him. To to get back on track. Because remember, J.C. was talking to him in America. (laughs) 
He needs Hashem to give him directions at the Wailing Wall when he puts his yarmulke on, when he touches the wall, and he puts his little piece of paper into the crack that says, Hashem, please, I want to be President of the United States. Please, please, please. Versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right. In the right corner, it's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Hey, 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 you know what's going to happen, Eric Adams discharges himself at Ben-Gurion Airport in Israel, what will be probably Monday morning, early Monday morning, Uh, he will be surrounded by his uh, Jewish machas, including Rabbi Joe Potashnik, a lot of Orthodox, and they will be telling him, you've re- you've come to the, the Holy Land, the Promised Land, and now you have to seek guidance from Hashem. First stop, you got to go to the Wailing Wall. you got to do what every politician does. You put the yarmulke on, you touch the wall, you act like you're praying to Hashem, then you put your little note in there. And we know Eric Adams says, please, Hashem, I want to be president of the United States. You know, it's hedging his bet because he's been saying that Jesus has been talking to him in his sleep. But what does a trip to Israel now accomplish as he's bailing out of this mess here in which he's at war now with Kathy Hochul? And the buses just keep coming in every day. There's five buses that come to the Port Authority. They're brought over to the Hotel Roosevelt where they're processed. The city council now wants an accounting of all the money spent. They're going to have hearings. The governor is saying, where's the one and a half billion I gave you? Why the, Why wouldn't you just cancel the trip? There's nothing of great urgency going on in uh, Israel. Then. First of all, it, there's always something going on in New York City. You can always say that there's something that demands. There's nothing that he is personally going to be doing. He's not personally doing the conversion of the of the Hot Sheets Motel, the senior center in, in Staten Island. The guy's going to, stay, to to Israel because every mayor since time immemorial goes to Israel and the time you go on vacations and the time you go on these types of trips is during the summertime. Now, you know, when you were making your bones in politics, for every official running for office, you had to do the three I's back then, 60s, right. 70s, Ireland, Italy, and Israel. That's changed. You what are they now, do you think? You don't have to go to Ireland. You don't have to go to Italy. You have to go to the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, which you can do because it's so close to one another, and then you have to come to Israel. You have to come to Israel. And you gotta to go to Yashem, right? You gotta pay tribute to... You don't go to, you know what, isn't Taiwan one you kinda of have to go to? No. No. I don't think, not running in what New York about, City. Uh... Not running in New York City. There are more mainland Chinese here than those. Yeah, John Lu is affiliated with Taiwan, but there are more with uh, the mainland. And remember, this is the same Eric Adams when I was campaigning with him. Because I have relatively good support in the Jewish community. 
He was always trying to one-up me. Remember, he made the statement, which is just made no sense. When I retire, I want to retire to the Golan Heights. <laughs> Anthony, nobody retires to the Golan Heights, not even Israelis. He didn't mean the Golan Heights, right? He didn't mean that. He doesn't even know where it is <laughs> on the map. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's totally fine. First of all, I think it's really good when, when elected officials go and show, show their support for Eretz Israel. I think that's fine that he's going. He's not going to be there very long. There isn't anything that's urgently needed. If there is something that's urgently needed, I'm sure he can come back. Of all of the critiques, him going traveling to Israel is not, I don't think, particularly sad. Well, he is not a student of history. He really doesn't know his geopolitical, uh. Right, but you can't. Be elected borough president. Now, admittedly, you know, his glide path to borough president is well documented. I think he ran unopposed in the primary. Unopposed every time. So, but you can't be an elected official representing the areas that he did. He represented Crown Heights. He he knows a little something about the Jewish community and the culture and everything else. You well, don't become borough president of Brooklyn without that. Yeah, but there's a little bit of a problem. Before he announced that he was going to Israel, he had to attend the annual India Day Parade, which is right by Creedmoor in East Queens. He was confronted by a lot of angry homeowners led by uh, uh, Phil Orenstein, who is like older than, I think, uh, the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. It was very difficult for the mayor to joust with him and be disrespectful. He was surrounded by senior right. citizens. But then he went inside the cultural center for people from India who are Hindi. And he said this, which was mind-boggling. We cannot only worship Gandhi. We must practice Gandhi. We need to be Gandhi-like, and we need to continue the steps that he started. If we don't continue the steps, then the bullet took away the dream and the vision of Gandhi. Dr. King continued those steps. We must continue those steps. So I'm Gandhi-like. I think like Gandhi. I act like Gandhi. I want to be like Gandhi. Uh, Anthony Weiner, Gandhi did not wear $5,000 customized suits. He wore a schmata and a diaper. He was doing so well, so well, <laughs> until he had a veer into I am Gandhi. Yes. Now, now, he talks to Jesus. He wants to be like Gandhi. You know he's going to say something religious towards Jews when he's in uh, the promised land, uh, you know, Israel. Right. Right. This is the problem. I've been to Israel three times. The reporters there, quite frankly, are better than the reporters here. They are aggressive. They're on the left and the right. They don't pretend like every, you know, uh, like uh, Fox News used to say, what was their logo? Uh, everything uh, down the middle, right, fair and balanced. Yeah. No, they tell you, I'm left wing, I'm right wing. He made that statement. He has no idea the history of Gandhi. I'm telling you right now. Some aide told him, say this, you know, patronize your audience. Gandhi, if he would only realize it, along with Nehru, voted against uh, authorizing the state of Israel to exist. Gandhi gave speeches in which he said, Jews, you don't belong there. Go back to wherever you came from. Go back to wherever you came from. Back to Europe, back to places where they were being put in ovens. Also, if you are a Muslim in in partitioned India, Pakistan, that stayed on the India side, yes. you did not have a great friend in Gandhi. No, not at all. So you know these reporters are good. I remember when I sat down with them. First of all, they're very gruff, the men. You know, they have that uh, Turkish coffee, which makes you even more surly. And, man, they get into it with you. You know, if Well, they... there is a certain stereotype about 
Jews that is particularly true in Israel. Oh, the man. They're very, they're very direct. Surely. Surely is a little bit of a pejorative, but they're very direct and no nonsense and like particularly and in, and remember something. They take, we forget this. They are a lone democracy in the Middle East. Yes. A, a, a social democratic one, even though it's got a conservative leadership, still by just about any definition, they would be considered socialists today in the way that they run their government. But they, the, the, the fact is that they take it very seriously. They're a new, a young democracy. So journalism and the fourth estate and this, first of all, they have a lot of corruption, like they do in a lot of democracies. Oh, yes. And so it, there's a real competitive media market there. And, and that means asking a lot of tough questions. Everybody talks politics. I think, Correct. look, yeah. I went from a lot in the South up to the Golan Heights where Eric Adams wants to retire to. <laughs> right. And in, in all, a country the size of New Jersey, right. by the way. All along the way, people wanted to talk politics. Yeah. Not necessarily United States politics, their own politics. This is what it comes down to when you're in Israel, because we think, oh, you know, it's the threats of Arab nations. Yeah, but they're used to that. It's secular versus religious. Secular, Shinui was the party back then when I was there, religious, Shah. Shah yeah. And they all compete with one another because they can be a small block of votes to help determine who the prime minister is because it's a uh, parliamentary procedure. Remember they experimented for a right when Sharon was running? We're going to do it the American way. We're going to have direct election of the president. Right, popular vote. And they decided, no, this eliminates all these small parties. I go over there, people are like, Hey, man, you know, we got to pay the taxes. We got to serve in the military. They they don't want us going anywhere on the Sabbath, Saturday. F them openly. And, man, the Orthodox like in their face, you know, coming on neighborhoods. We don't, you're, you're goy. They might as well call them goy. Well, and, 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 you know, we talk all the time about here in the United States how, how divided we are as a party, that you're 45, 45, 10 in the middle it took them five elections the last time to be able to put together a majority coalition. That's how close the margins are between the major two parties and all of their coalition partners. So whenever I come on the radio and I say, hey, I don't mind the 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 parliamentary system like you get your your prime minister, the party can throw them out if they think they're doing a bad job. The people can say we're not happy at any time and call a snap election. Well, the downside of it is we're seeing now where you have Netanyahu in a very, very partisan place. And you made the point, is is Adams going to be able to walk that no. dance? No, he's not. It's not easy. It's so much so that, that Biden has been avoiding it of for course. that very same no, no. reason. He's going to walk there and think his complexion is his protection. First thing a reporter is going to do, Mr. Mayor, you know we have asylum seekers. We have refugees from the Sudan. They're not Jewish, they're Muslim, and they come over and they stay in refugee camps. And we have determined that they are no longer asylum seekers. They no longer are entitled to refugee status in Israel, and we're sending them back. What is he going to say? What do you think of that? Uh-oh. Because Well, I think uh, he, he could get asked a lot of I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to be good hosts, but they can ask him right now. They have this whole legal reform process that's going through that has divided Israel and most of his constituents are in the orthodox. Anti- uh, well, no, his constituents, his Democratic constituents and his 75 percent of the Jewish community in New York is not orthodox. No, no, I know. But the people who he has surrounded himself. Well, they are orthodox. Jews. Look, very often politicians make a mistake. Big mistake. They think that whoever's got the biggest, the biggest black hat, the biggest black felt kippah, 
that that's who I should be listening to. They understand the Jewish community. When in fact, 75% are like Fran Wiener. Yeah, you know, that's the mistake that frequently get yeah. made. And if you go, if you, if you're a democratic politician, it'd be nice to get the from vote. Well, you're going to get a lot of the orthodoxy. He made a major mistake by not having Rabbi Joe Potashnik navigate for him the shark infested waters of the politics of Israel. The rabbi will be in his shul, his synagogue in Brooklyn Heights tomorrow and not with Eric Adams. Anyway, up next. What do you make of the chasm, the schism, whatever you want to call it, between Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams before they were inseparable? You could never get them to criticize one another. Now, as he departs for Israel, it's all out war on your place to be left versus right. If you miss Anthony Weiner, his first two hours, you'll know why he's been given an extra hour. He was magnificent in the one hour, his first hour, two to three versus the Trumpers. And then the potpourri of subjects, three to four. Now it's left versus right. Yours truly, Curtis Lee versus Anthony Weiner. As we focus on what else? The battle between governors and mayors in New York State, which has been historical, and now it's come full circle. Eric Adams in one corner, Kathy Hochul in the other. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Now, you know, uh, one of the endearing qualities uh, of the Adams administration and the Hochul administration was that for the first time in a long time, they actually got along, the governor and the mayor. They were kissing cousins, yeah. Lindsay and Rockefeller were at each other's throats. No matter how Rudy and Pataki tried to, you know, dress it up, before 9-11, they hated one another. We saw Andrew Cuomo and de Blasio, who had been personal friends who had worked together in HUD, couldn't be more vicious the way Andrew treated de Blasio. And for a long time, he almost two years of Eric Adams' administration, every time there was a problem, they would show up in solidarity. You and by could- the way, there, there was this, as you know, there's a structural reason for this, because yeah. the city is a creation of the state. As we frequently want to do things, and the state is their big brother that has to give. So there's always this tension that exists. And you and I said it during the election time. Hochul needed Adams. Adams needed Hochul. It was a match made in heaven, and they had really stuck together until. It it started on day one when he beat me, and he had a celebration that night. He did not permit Tish James to speak, who, remember, back then was thinking of running for the governorship. He allowed Kathy Hochul to dominate as the only really other speaker other than himself. That was clearly a signal. Tish, forget about it. Right. I'm going with Kathy. And as much as I don't like either one, it was genuinely a friendly relationship. Except I never saw Eric getting out of Hochul everything that he I, – I, I didn't think he asked enough, to be right. honest. Right. 
But he never badmouthed one another. True. You didn't hear about anything behind the scenes. Right. They always stood in solidarity, even when it really looked bad. They stood together, which is the first time in my memory that that ever existed. Well, oh, boy, 14 pages later, I looked at this letter, and it was just unbelievable. It was just about the same time that I was being arrested outside of Creedmoor with the other 12 and I mean, the attorney for Kathy Hochul, private attorney, because Tish James uh, recused herself. She would not represent right. the, uh, the governor, eviscerated Eric Adams. And I felt the most damaging was we gave you one and a half billion dollars within this past year for the migrant issue. You haven't issued one invoice, one receipt. Show me the money. Right. And that's been his problem with everybody. The city council now is demanding hearings of accountability of where the money is. They want more migrants coming also, in. Also, there are other things in that letter, things like here are all the different instances we gave you space yes. in state facilities at the same time you had people sleeping on the streets. Again, the, the, the allegation at the time was that the city was trying to make a point by making these people sleep outside, to trying to get the picture to show how desperate they were as a message to Washington. And so that was in the letter. It was very weird because this was a kind of a bureaucrat letter. I don't remember who wrote it. It was a bureaucrat-to-bureaucrat letter that obviously Hochul released. And leaked to the New York Times. Right, because there's no reason that that um, Adams people would release it. So it had to be Hochul's people releasing it, which is in the in the backbiting ways of things – tells you a big now and and there were plenty of chances since then for Hochul to distance herself and say oh no that was an internal she hasn't she kind of stuck in there and says look there have been a lot of we don't know where the money is and we also don't know why they're not taking advantage of the offers well, we're making the one instance of the bone of contention that I brought to the airwaves early and nobody was talking about is that I had heard uh, from a contact I have at City Hall that they put 77 uh uh, migrants who willingly wanted to go to Rochester, but they had no idea how far away Rochester was. <laughs> 77, okay. So they're singing on their way up, uh, B-I-N-G-O, B-I-N-G-O, you know, like camp outing. Hey, when are we going to get there? It took like eight hours. Yeah. They get out in downtown Rochester. That's where the bus, uh, little bus depot is. And Rochester does not look like it used to look. By the way, in the city of Rochester... Yes is one of the highest crime areas in all of New York State now. And the locals were looking at them like, what are you doing here? They did not get a warm reception like they get here in New York City. So apparently they stayed overnight. They were asked to reconsider it by this very controversial group that Eric Adams gave a no-bid contract to for $432 million, which is called Doc go never they've never done this kind of work before how they qualified for this i'll never know but anyway they brought him up they said we consider you know because they all wanted to come back half of them decided to come back to new york city the other half apparently have stayed up there but that became a bone of contention because then kathy hoko is saying look you want to send these migrants to a backwater area that's dark at night with nowhere to go a horrible advertisement for upstate New York, yeah, you know, yeah. for tourists. In fact, they're both killing the brand. You have Eric Adams. He has people down on the Mexican border giving out flyers in Spanish. You don't want to come to New York City. The rents are too high, too high to pay. They have Jimmy McMillan there. The rent yeah, is too high too to pay. High, yeah. Food is too expensive. You don't want to choose New York City. And then she's talking about, oh, you don't want to come upstate. 
you know, it's backwaters, it's no-tell motels in the middle of nowhere. They are really damaging each other in this issue now, and it's all out war. Well, it's they've all they've pulled their claws back in a little bit. You know what I found interesting is that Adam's response was to basically say, "Yeah, well, we do. We have to share some." But he didn't immediately go back. I think. I mean, here's if I had to figure out what had happened. Something must have been going on at the staff level that these guys were pointing fingers at each other. But more importantly, I think Eric Adams is starting to do this. Started to do this thing. The state and federal government have to help. Yeah. And kind of lumping her in with Adams. Yeah, he wanted two-thirds of the bills paid for by the state. The other third, he wanted the federal government to pay. He didn't want the city to have to pay anything. Right, and and I think that what Hochul probably said to him a couple of times is, stop lumping me in with Joe. Yes. This is a federal problem. We should all be on the same page. New York wants money from Washington. And he kept doing it. And again, this comes down to his lack of discipline on stuff that he says. That I thought it could just be that this was Hochul saying, "If you keep doing that, I'm going to push back," and that eventually happened. But I think that I I think that the only thing interesting about it is what you said in the introduction is how good they've gotten along. This would be totally typical in the past oh, of completely. a governor leaking a document about how bad the mayor is doing his job. The other thing, the other thing, and you pointed this out. This whole idea of where is the money going. Yeah. Now I think you're going to see even his allies on the city council want to flex their muscle, want to make things a little more difficult. And every everyone within the sound of our voice, Democrat or Republican, you don't want wasted money. And if it turns out that 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 they're not keeping their not documenting or their sole contract was somehow connected to someone that had an inside track at the city hall. I think it can be really well, the kind of game changer. Give you issue for them. Uh, the inside. The first time it happened where Nancy was stymied because she's an e-attorney. She does this for corporations. She peels back the onion layers and the artichoke layers. And you can pretty much uh, figure out an LLC and all those groups that try to use the LLC to protect themselves. This came about when the Pakistani government, the owners of the Roosevelt Hotel, received from the city $275 million. That's who owned it, the Pakistani yeah, government? Pakistani government. Couldn't do anything with it for three years since the lockdown and pandemic. They were getting ready to take a uh, demolition ball to it, thinking that because of zoning changes, they could build, you know, a 100-story high-rise, but there's no demand for office space now. So they were stymied. So all of a sudden, the city approaches them, and I believe it's through Frank Carone, because all roads lead to Frank Carone, the former chief of staff. That's just a guess. There's no evidence. Well, we're digging. We're digging. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he signs his contract to utilize the 1,000 rooms for three years, $275 million. And Nancy does the deep dive. She goes, oh, this should be easy, just like the others. And then she goes, no, Curtis, it's now under the category of a migrant uh, humanity resource center in which through executive order, emergency executive order, everything is redacted. There's no explanation. This is one of the most corrupt governments in the world, right? You're giving $275 million to Pakistan to use a hotel? Wait a minute. Was it to Pakistan or was it to this contractor? No, to Pakistan. Oh, yeah. But the contract to manage this uh, intake center, they call it an intake center, because you stay a few days and then they outsource you either to the outer boroughs or they send you to the Mid-Hudson Valley or they send you up to Rochester or right. Buffalo or, or Albany, uh, is uh, Doc Go. But the per people who owned it, who leased it to the city for three years, no bid contract, right? Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Now, you know they're whining, dining, and pocket lining galore. So... 
I want to see who he sends to the city council hearing to explain this. I hope it's not his personal accountant who couldn't even handle his tax returns. Remember, <laughs> he's had some problems. He's living in a homeless shelter. Everybody says no. It'll be it'll be the office of management and budget, which which as you know is the most powerful office in all of city government because they get to decide how much all the other agencies get. And at the end of the day, you also have this guy Brad Lander who gets to see these different contracts because he has to certify them to make sure and that they're all kosher. They haven't gotten them yet. And the New York Times did the big expose on Doc Go, and they asked yeah. Lander and Napoli is saying they 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 requested right. copies, and you're refusing to give it. That naturally, the Times requested. They didn't give documentation because to under emerge they have some emergency powers to bypass all of this. The question is, at what point does this migrant thing, it's over a year old now, does this, we're no longer in kind of scramble mode. Now we should be in some kind of formalized system for processing this thing. And, uh, and Lander hasn't gotten the contracts. The media hasn't seen the contracts. Denapoli is the guy. Be careful with Denapoli. He's quiet. He's stealth. But he's been warning that we're all in danger, the city and the state. The tax uh, proceeds are not there, sales tax, property tax. And I know a guy like Tom DiNapoli, he's sitting on a lot of information. He he doesn't do like Brad Lander would love to do an assassination. I don't think this Doc Go government, uh, Doc Go company has ever had a full look under the hood. No. How they got the contract, where, because they, they are not an immigrant processing. They're not like Niano or the nope. Catholic Charities or any of those. None. They came out of nowhere. And Eric appeared at their annual conference of all their stockholders and said, you guys are the best. How could you say they're the best? Was was the was the conference in Aruba? <laughs> no, it was right here in New York City. Anyway, up next, uh, congestion pricing brought out both sides. They almost had clashes as we're getting closer and closer to its implementation. And also, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow you want to join me two o'clock. We'll see if Frank, uh, the Mama Luke Morano, shows up, or maybe he's got another baby shower to go to. 2 o'clock outside of the Senior Citizen Center that was cleared out to make way for migrants at 11-11, Father Capitano Boulevard. We're calling it Occupy Midland Beach. Plenty of free parking across the street. We're taking over that building. We're not giving it back. We're not letting the migrants move in. I have a feeling, uh, Anthony, it's going to be arrest number 79. They're and prosecuted in four out of five counties. Exactly. <laughs> right here in your place to be, WABC. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. So, Anthony, the fire and brimstone involved in both sides of the issue of congestion uh, pricing really reached, uh, I'd say, an apex. They were, like, ready to clash. Uh, and I can only see it getting worse from here because the technology is being put into effect. Any vehicles uh, going south of 60th could pay anywhere from $18 to $28. Murphy has said, I'm going to court. He is. 
you saw the Congress uh, people, Malia Takis, and uh, the congressman from Bergen County join together, even though a Republican right. Democrat. So it's reaching. It's a, I, I just, I look around this city. I walk it every day. I don't understand why now. The city is not anywhere near its recovery point. I know. First of all, let me just say this. The, here's the tough part is they, one thing they haven't worked out is who's exempt from what. Are you exempt if you're going to a doctor's appointment? Are you exempt if you're, if you're disabled and you need a car to get around? Who are the exempt? Are you going to exempt if you're a cop? You know, do you get to come and park next to your precinct? That's going to be the really hard part. I mean, look, the bottom line is like we, who are we? Are we a city of drivers or are we a city of pedestrians? And we're a little bit of both. And it's always been this tension between cars and bikes and walkers and everything. We see it every single day. Like now, you know what I hear more than anything about congestion? I hear about scooters. Scooters on the sidewalk, scooters blowing through lights, scooters, 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 scooters. Back when I was in the city council, bikes on the sidewalk was holding the, the, this delivery guys just pedaling on the, on the sidewalk. Right. Now we've got all these bike lanes. It's this conflict is going to. I think we should be a more of a pedestrian friendly city, but congestion pricing. I agree. The timing is not impeccable right now. I mean, there's just you're exactly right. We have less congestion because fewer people want to come into the city. Well, I've been talking to a lot of bicycle enthusiasts. You know, who are like on their city bikes, pedaling the right. old fashioned way. They hate these mopeds, these motorbikes. They crisscross up and down. Nobody has. They're in our bike lanes. Right. I, we have scooters in our bike. Like I, I bike here and I bike back constantly. The, the the biggest threat you have is someone on a scooter. So that's priority number one: quality of life. And the other one is the enormity of these illegal weed shops. There are now two thousand in the city. Last night, right? You know, I was coming here to do the other side of midnight, twelve midnight to six. I had to get a few hours sleep. I walked down Lexington, Anthony. Every other storefront had a green leaf and neon lights. They were open 24 hours. And the veterans who were waiting to get permits to open legal ones, they sued successfully because they're giving it to people with records. And, you know, I have a record. I don't mind them getting a little leg up. But the system is a complete mess. I would slim brakes on the whole thing. They have nine legal spots you can buy weed. There are 2,000 yeah, illegal at least. that charge you less. They don't want to see ID, and they let you try the product. You can't beat that. Anyway, I'll be joining you tonight, the other side of midnight. Get ready.